Hi everyone, welcome to Pieces of a Woman podcast. I'm Deanna Robbins. And I'm Christy Knorr. Well, we are excited to talk about a topic today that kind of is phase two, part two of our past that shapes you. So you have heard, if you have listened to our prior episodes, if not, I would encourage you to get to know Christy and I a little bit better. Um, We shared our story mainly of our childhood and where we came from, but we really want to dive into what got us down our career path, what were some of our successes, maybe some of our failures, and what did that look like? Hi, I'm Deanna Robbins. And I'm Christy North. Welcome to Pieces of a Woman podcast, where we explore all the pieces that make up a woman, mind, body, and soul. We are two everyday women who have survived, thrived, been defeated, humbled, and spent our lives committed to embracing all complexities of being a woman. This podcast is dedicated to all women, all women searching for real conversations. We are going to be exploring everything from sexuality, aging, menopause, physical and mental health, spirituality, marriage, divorce, and blended families. Everything is on the table, except politics. Every episode will be committed to engaging conversations that will include interviews with influential women, leaders, healers, authors, and good friends. Thank you for taking this journey with us. I know for both of us setting the stage, neither of us went to college for different reasons, I'm sure. I just didn't think it was even an option. I didn't think we could afford it. I didn't even think I... I had it in me to go to school, even though I really wanted to, but did not go to school. How about for you? I love school. And I, you know, looking back, I, I felt like I was pretty good at it. I got good grades. Um, so for me, it was something I wanted to do. I wanted to go to college, but at the time, no one in my family had ever gone to college. So yeah. I thought I was going to break that mold or that pattern, and I would be the one that would go. Um, but life had a different story for me. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> and I ended up pregnant with my oldest, Whitney, uh, at the age of 18. Oh, wow. And so that was one of those moments where, you know, obviously it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, at the time, I was scared and uh, not sure what that was going to, how that was going to affect me and what, you know, that choice did for me. And so, of course, college was on the back burner. But I thought, I can still go to college. I'll still do that down the road. Um, oh, you did? I did okay. think that. And I kind of hoped that, you know, at some point I would be able to to do that. But it just never played out for me. As we know, life gets in the way and uh-huh. being a mom and then getting married. And it really changed that um, opportunity. Yeah. So then how, so you have Whitney at 18. Then what did you do as far as career, job? What did you do after she was born or during, you know, did you change? Did you just take a... Take some time off and figure out what I was yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah. You know, looking back, I was so young. I mean, you think about it, yes. 18. My kids today think, Mom, I can't even imagine having a kid at 18. Kennedy was just saying it this weekend on our drive dropping her off to college. Yeah. She said, I can't imagine being pregnant or having a child right now. And I'm so grateful that she can't. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but it was not an easy path. Being the person that I am, it was not going to derail me. 
yeah I, I knew that I just didn't really know how much it was going to change um, how I was going to be able to do things going forward I did not work through the entire time um, of my pregnancy in fact I was on welfare oh wow I was on welfare because I didn't have a job um, I was you know an adult yeah and kind of on my own uh, I remember feeling very ashamed about having to go down that path and being on welfare, um, food stamps, all of it, and thinking, I got to figure this out. I don't want to be a part of the system that way. And I really wanted to be able to make my way financially and career-wise. That was still a major goal for me, as we talked about in the past at Shapeshu at age 12. I knew that I wanted more. So having Whitney really kind of woke that up in me again. It, it inspired me to know that I needed to give her a better life. And so yeah. I was pretty driven to do something. So my first job after having her, I worked at a call center. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I want to say it was called TCA, like telecommunications. And I had a drive to Utah County every day oh. and make cold calls. <laughs> and, you know, of course, having to get a babysitter and all of that stuff, which was challenging. But yeah, that was my first job sitting on the phone, cold calling people, sending the leads to the sales team to, so that they could sell Anthony Robbins, Zig Oh, Tony Robbins. Yeah. yeah. I went to some of those yeah. seminars. Yeah. How about you? Let's talk about your first. Oh my gosh. Well, I will say the work ethic started early, which I'm so grateful for. Um, but I started busing tables at age 11. And sometimes that was just in the summer. And uh, you can't get away with that now, right? But I always had a job. And then when I was in high school, I worked at Taco Bell with, um, you know, doing the drive-through. Yeah. And back then the uniforms were hideous. Let's just, the kids today would not wear them, but they were polyester brown. We had to wear our hair up in a bandana. We smelled like beans. Anyway, it was great. It yeah. was great because I loved having my own money. So I went from that to, of course, I got married at 18, didn't have a baby at 18, but I got married and thought, well, this is my path and didn't really think too much about career. And I always tell people, I told my kids, especially my daughter, you changed so much from 18 to 25 yeah. that I had no idea. And, you know, and I knew everything at 18 or so I thought. And so I got married, married my high school sweetheart, and I got my first job, real job, I would say, and it was working at Mervyn's and it was working for, just uh, yourself. I just, I know, right? Mervyn's. Okay. I just, I'm 54. <laughs> I did visual merchandising, which if people don't know what that is, cause I didn't know until I went, it's you dress the mannequins, you do this, all the decor in the store. It was such a fun job. So then I thought I never even knew this was available, but people who actually got the, the director position in that had a had a degree in college so they had went to school i didn't so that was kind of my first experience of going man i wish i would have went to school but i can figure this out so anyway it was fun but i think every single job you have you are going to learn from it you're going to take away your whatever that is into your next career so you had i mean you had a little one you were responsible for that's totally different than myself and a well, spouse. And, and, but when you talk about being married between the age of 18 and 25, um, I agree. I, I feel like we changed so much. And a big shift happens, I think, right around that 25 mark. Yes. And there's a lot of marriages out there that have 
thrived and survived through those early years. But there, I know, are some statistics out there that speak to divorces during that age yeah. because you shape um, differently and you, yeah. and you have a shift. And as a matter of fact, uh, Kenny and I have many dinner talks with our kids offering money if they waited until they were 25. <laughs> That's good. We, we gave, I think we had offered, you know, thousands if they never smoke or drank um, until they were 21 and didn't get married until after they yeah. were 25. Because for us, we both did at 18. And, yeah. and we both, you know, divorced and our, and our second marriage. And I think it was a lot of what you just talked about, that whole change that we make um, from 18 to 25. And it's, I think really speaks to how much we learn about ourselves and who we are and who we want to be. That really starts to happen in the 20 to 25 range. For sure. And I think what's so admirable with the younger generation now is I don't think that they're getting married as early as our generation did, right. which is such a great thing, whether they go to school or not. They're postponing that and realizing how young that is. So I would say, so between that, Mervyn's was great, but then, okay, well now what do I want to do? You start thinking in your early twenties, okay, there's, you start, your world expands. So then what was next after, how did, how long did you last at the call center and when did you shift? Well, I, I was able to take advantage of another opportunity, which was in the same company in the customer service department. And I think I spent almost two years in customer service, um, which was the people that were calling and wanting to return their Zig Ziglar. <laughs> Are you <Ryan's> serious? <laughs> audio cassettes, that it wasn't what they were sold apparently. Oh and my so gosh. I, I was in a, um, in a position where I would take those calls and then have to make sure that they kept the product and they can, you know, they basically, you know, would offer more time or um, refunds based on how much longer they took, they kept yeah. the product. So it was about the age of 22 when I was introduced to the mortgage industry. And uh, my girlfriend, Deidre, had started as a processor with a company called American Residential. And she said, hey, would you be interested in making a switch? And at the time, I was making $1,100 a month. Oh, wow. And the job was going to pay $1,300 a yeah. month. And that was huge. And, Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, so I went to the interview and I went back to my manager and said that I had an opportunity to go work as a loan processor. Um, as it turned out, it wasn't a loan processor. I ended up being a receptionist and eventually about six months to a year went in as a loan processor. And at any point, when I went to my manager and told them about this opportunity, they offered me thirteen fifty a month. Wow! <laughs> and anyway, I ended up taking the job and have been in the mortgage industry now for twenty nine years. So that I mean, that is amazing. So you knew, you felt like that was your. So you didn't really go through a ton of different careers. It doesn't sound like before you kind of found. Did you feel like that was your? I stayed in the mortgage industry, but I've done every aspect of, or I should say positions, Yeah, I would say, throughout 29 years. So when we talk about college and both of us, I think, are learning to embrace that that's just not what life had for us. But at the same time, we both kind of wished we had had that experience um, to go to college. Oh, yeah. We find that, you know, there's obviously a lot of value in that. And, you know, I've spent years regretting and wishing I had had 
college. Um, and today, you know, I look back and go, my college was the mortgage industry. I started as a receptionist. I was a processor. I worked in the secondary market doing the locks on the rates. I was a closer, a funder. Uh, I was a manager and then I was a loan officer. So that was my college. And so today as a um, leader, the Utah division of network funding, I've spent years getting to this point. Yeah. Yeah. Growing, learning, um, educating, and just being mentored by others has kind of helped mold me into the leader that I am today. Well, I like your reference of that was your college because I think I was the same way I regretted not going. So I had several friends that went to college and then I had a, a, a few that they got pregnant in high school, stayed home and had that path, which I felt like I was kind of right in the middle of, I got married, but didn't have kids. But I never really thought about, God, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? So in some ways, I think what was good about our position back then There wasn't even an expectation put on me to go to college, graduate a certain way, go into this career path, which we're seeing a lot today. Um, There are a lot of young people who are going to school thinking they're going to graduate and they should have it all figured out. And this is my message I would say to them is you don't have to have it all figured out at 21, 23 you know, we just did that post recently right. on our social media. If you don't figure it out in your 20s, you can figure it out in your 30s. If you don't do it in your 30s, you can do it in your 40s. There's not a time frame of when you have to accomplish or figure it out because life is all about just evolving as a human. So I think the blessing, I would say for us, I feel like it's been a blessing, is there wasn't this expectation. So it was only growth, really. It wasn't, okay, I'm going to go to school and now I'm going to have this incredible career. And you expect that degree to just get you everywhere. And and as we're learning now, that is a big challenge with our youth is the pressure to go to school has been so big, but then they're like, okay, I graduate. Now what do I do? The jobs not aren't necessarily there that they thought was going to be there. And so I guess the inspiring part of that is I would love for people to know that's just a stepping stone to wherever you're going to go. Well, and I think pretty strongly. I look at my kids, you know, my kids range from 19 to 32. And I can look back at where I was at 19 and I can think, you know, I didn't have it all figured out at those ages. Yeah. You know, I didn't know exactly what my life was going to look like at 19 because I had a baby. You know, I thought that that meant this, but I had no idea that it was going to turn out to be what it is today. And so my message to my kids now is, is I'm, I'm trying to really emphasize to them, you don't need to know what it's going to look like. And you're going to be so surprised what your thirties and forties do for you. Yeah. Um, and you're with your maturity and your experiences and how much that's going to enhance your direction of where you want to be. And some of us figure that stuff out in our fifties. Yeah, for sure. We don't have to figure it out in our twenties. And I, yeah. so I agree with you, the pressure that is put on a 20 year old, even a, even a 30 year old, that they got to have it figured out at yeah. 30. I yeah. had no idea that I would be where I am today. And I'm not saying that today I'm like, oh, I'm in this great place and I've now surpassed every dream that I had. That's not what I'm saying. But, yeah. But at 50, I'm at a place where I feel more comfortable with who I am. I feel more comfortable with the fact that I didn't go to college, but my education has been the industry that I'm in. And I can navigate life differently today than I could in my 20s and 30s. And that is so powerful. Yeah, for sure. 
And that's because of everything that we've done over yeah. the past 20 years. And so hopefully the message we're telling our kids is it's okay for you to be where you're at, experience everything and embrace all of it because you're going to learn from it. For sure. To your point, you talked about, um, you know, education. And I think we all, education comes in all different forms. Education is boots on the ground. You know, if you're a construction worker, the amount that you're learning, doing the hard work every day, you're learning. Whether you're sitting in a classroom or you're on the job, and I think some would argue that actual life experience is far more valuable than going to school. Now, those are in some cases, right. depending on the what you're going for. Um, I always wanted my kids to get an education because I didn't, so I thought that would be better, and they chose a different path. Tasia went to school for a little bit but didn't finish, and I look at both of them today, but I'll tell you the one thing they have is they do have the life skills of knowing how to be connected and how to network and how to put yourself out there and going into Taylor took a career, so he did not go to college, he, thank God, made it through high school, <laughs> but he took a job doing cell phone, selling cell phones in Costco in the kiosk, and he wanted to get into the tech world. Well, the one company he really wanted to go with, they would not look at anybody who did not have a degree. Yeah. Well, it finally got to the point they weren't having a lot of success with people that had degrees, so they finally decided to branch out and, and bring on people who didn't have a degree, but maybe we're strong in cells and Taylor got the job. And now that has, that one thing has changed his path in his tech world um, career. So it's amazing. But what I, what I want to share is I think don't put the pressure on yourself to be everything all at once. School is a beautiful thing. I still wish I had those experience, but my school was, I say I'm a lifelong student. I am the product of on the other end of the call. I never returned anything, but back in that time, everything was about, do you remember PMA, positive mental attitude? Yeah. And it was about reading self-help books. And there was kind of a stigma against it that it was a negative thing. And it became a powerful tool for me because I would read books like Ogman, uh, Earl Nightingale, Zig Ziglar, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I started putting more positive in and I knew and listening to psychologists, I never went anywhere, but I just would flood myself with all of these books. And I realized, oh my gosh, okay, well, I can do anything I want to do if I really put my mind to it. And I'm one of those suckers that believed that and went, okay. So my limiting beliefs started to change. And I started to say, no, I can do this. Like I can learn anything, but we put so many limitations on ourselves. And I mean, I did jobs of, I cleaned houses for very wealthy people. I did a call center for about three days. That's all I lasted. It didn't last. I sat in a Merle Norman Cosmetics store for about a week and couldn't do it. And I'm like, okay, what am I good at? It's trying to figure out, well, what am I good at? And what do I like? And I realized I loved working with people and I ended up getting into the insurance business through a connection. I didn't know secretarial skills. I wasn't the fastest typer, but I put myself out there and said, okay, I'm going to go interview because I knew I could learn anything. And I think it's that getting to that point of, okay, I can do anything, but what do you want to do? I think kids have so many more opportunities now than they've ever had. So with that said, so kind of what started us how did it propel then into the leadership role that you're in? When did that shift happen or did it? When do you realize people started looking at you as a leader and, oh, I think she could go. Or when did you start looking at yourself and going, okay, I think I can do this. I can go the next level. I 
always wanted to be a mentor. Um, I, I knew I wanted to sit in some type of leadership role, but in my 20s and 30s, even my probably early 40s, I didn't think that I had enough um, skill set or the education because I was still stuck on the college degree. Yeah. Um, Our own limiting right, beliefs. Right. Yeah. So that self-talk. I had you know opportunities where I started my own businesses a few times. And so I was just automatically in these leadership positions just through default of doing that, which is not necessarily mean that you're a good leader. Um or you, that you'll make a good leader just because you're a business owner. Yeah. So I, I was able to fortunately take advantage of people that I had I had hired, um, or that my husband and I had hired, and that they were just these leaders that in their fields that um, I was able to just sit back like a sponge and absorb and watch yeah. um, how they responded to their teams, how they communicated with their teams. Um, I learned from people that you know, did not do it well. And I learned from people that did it really well and obviously decided that where I wanted to be in that as a leader. And I was given an opportunity in 2010, I want to say, who my current partner right now, that he was a manager of the mortgage company. And I came in as one of his loan officers. And through the growth of that branch, he recognized that he needed support and also um, recognize that people were coming to me. They were just kind of gravitating to me yeah. for their questions and their needs. And so it was a conversation of wanting to try it and see how it worked out. And that was 11 years ago. And um, through a lot of different paths through the past 10, 11 years, we've now come into a place where we you know, both manage the Utah Division of Network Funding, which is, I think we're about 60, 70 people Four branches in Utah, a branch in Washington, a branch in Colorado. Yeah. And I love it. I love working with people. I love um, helping structure, helping them overcome challenges with, you know, getting people into homes. I love thinking of new ways to run our operations. So all of it, you know, is kind of like the best of all the worlds of, of leading and just being a mentor and helping people. Yeah doesn't come without its frustration. <laughs> right. You know, it's, I feel yeah. like sometimes we are, you know, we're therapists, but I'll put you call it. For sure. I mean, you know, therapists, counselors, and just wanting to, yeah, being connected, which is the beautiful thing. Cause you know, if you're wanting to be a mentor, um, it's interesting because I think sometimes people see things in you or others that you don't see in yourself. Right. So I think that we have a great responsibility too in seeing that in people behind us. You know, I don't know what that quote is, but you know, when you get to where you're going, look back, how can you help people come up? Because that's a true leader is inspiring the people behind you to follow their dreams and help them pave their way. Um, I think is a lot of it. What has been the most inspiring thing for you or your biggest challenge, maybe within your own self as far as stopping growth or what would you say has been what you have pushed yourself to do to get where you are? So just when you think about inspiring, what kind of, you know, when you're thinking about what you want to do and how you're going to show up when it comes to your work life or just, you know, what you want to do for a living. And I'm going to share a story when I was 18 and I was working as kind of the receptionist, but as more of a coordinator for the Canyon Racquet Club uh -huh. tennis <laughs> in Cox yes. Heights. And I thought, you know, it was 
the dream job for me at the time. It was, you know, I was going to be kind of in an office, which I'd always, you know, thought that's what I would be doing. Um, I didn't know how much I was going to have to work with people. <laughs> and at 18, I was not that great at it, but it was basically, I think I made it three or four months in that job and I got fired. Oh my gosh. They fired me because how do I describe it? I wasn't that great with the customers. Your personal relations or your <laughs> PR or what do they call it? Yeah. Customer but, service. Yes. I, I didn't have really good customer service skills. And so that was a pretty defining moment for me <laughs> because I'll say today, it was the only job I've ever been fired from. Uh -huh. So um, I learned from that. And I'll never forget the manager telling me, she didn't just fire me and send me on my way. She actually took the time to say, this is what you are good at. And this is where you're, yeah. your opportunity to grow. Yeah. And I was devastated. But from that day forward, I went into every job remembering what she said and then wow. learning how to be better at my people skills. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I've done pretty well today, but it's taken years for me <laughs> to, to You've done okay. That. Yeah, I think you've done pretty well. And so that was, I would say that was an inspiring moment that, you know, really kind of helped me learn and figure out how I was going to show up. Yeah. Into working. Yeah. How about you? Um, you know what, for me, I have always been inspired by, by a ton of people, but I am, I am one who sits back and watches and I'm a sponge and I want to learn from everybody. And, you know, truly, I think you got to learn to be authentic. You got to learn to be yourself. And sometimes you think you got to be some, or at least I felt like sometimes, oh, I got to be this way or I got to be this way. And it took me a few years to figure out, you know, no, I'm okay. I need to just be who I am, but be the best version of me. And I just needed a lot of work, <laughs> but there's so many, I can't, I can't think right off the top of my head who all has inspired me. Cause there's actually truly been a ton of people. You know, my ex-mother-in-law, when I got into real estate, she was my inspiration. The woman, Darlene has been through so many different challenges, but I think you always need somebody to look up to. She, when she got into real estate in 1972, she was called into the Salt Lake Board of Realtors and they had told her it was inappropriate for her to wear pants that she needed to be wearing a dress. Yeah, unbelievable. And I mean, look how far we've come. So yeah. all the women who have gone before us, right. who have paved the path, who have fought for equality, who have fought for, I mean, we've come a long way. I feel like I've had a great uh, career as a woman. Um, she also was sitting across the table back then when we do closings in person with the other side and the man across the table looked at her and said, shouldn't you be home cooking dinner for your family right now? Ugh. I mean, we haven't, I have not had any of those experiences. Yeah. So she's always been somebody I highly respect. Um, she's still in the business today. There's nothing too hard for her. So I think there's always looking to other people who are inspirational. I will say sometimes you don't see it in yourself. And somebody will come and say, hey, you should think about this. Yeah. And I remember early on, and it is from the books I read, and, and I've never had a coach, but I definitely dove into a lot of it of, well, why can't it be you? So that would be the question I'd ask myself, well, why can't it be me? So when I was asked to go into some leadership roles, I went to Toastmasters. I was terrified to do public speaking in large groups. And you would never know listening. Oh, to yeah. Oh, my gosh. I learned quickly. You got to be uncomfortable to get comfortable. And I totally bombed. I hated every minute of it. But I'm so grateful I did it. And I just believe time and time again, if you do the work, 
you're going to be blessed one way or another. And my life has just been that. I feel like, you know, you take a risk, you take a chance, but you can't sit in your bubble and think everything's going to come to you. You've got to go make it happen. You've got to do the uncomfortable things yeah. before we grow. Yeah. You know, I'm with you when it came to the public speaking, um, you know, having to get up and do sales meetings or just gathering with the office and talking through something or going and doing trainings, all of that stuff. I was just petrified and yeah. scared to death of it. And, you know, today I still have those nerves and, and still stress about it. But yeah. And some people love that. They're just natural at it. No problem with that. Means, yeah. Nope. <laughs> Sweat bullets every time. Oh, so I, anyway, no, I think it's funny. I admire all those people. So what is different for you today in your fifties versus you in your twenties? What would you say is the biggest difference career wise? I'm a lot more comfortable with who I am. So I think that helps define my leadership style. I would say I don't get caught up in some of the immature thinking drama and drama that I used to in my 20s and 30s. I have less tolerance for it today yeah. than I did. Um, I can catch it really quick. And, you know, you talked about bringing people that, you know, with you along the way. And I remember hearing something about, you know, that whole competitive, you know, that you think you had to like keep everything to yourself yeah. because someone was going to steal it or um, they were going to do it better than you. Yeah. And today I would share anything and everything. I, yeah. you know, I, I truly believe that there's enough opportunity out there for each of us that I could tell you all of the things that I think are my secret <laughs> ingredients or sauce to whatever I'm doing. Uh -huh. And I have no fear that that's going to create a roadblock for me. Yeah. So I'm an open book. I'm willing to share all of my tricks and secrets. I don't really think I have any anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but we think that when we're, cause when you were saying that, I'm like, I, I, there's no secret. It all comes down to how you handle yourself. I, I just went through this last week of Watching why some people get promoted and some don't. Why do some people get asked and approached more often than others? And this is what I would say is I think every opportunity, every job you're in, every role you're in, every relationship, you have a chance to make an impression on that person. And in your work environment, whether you are in the beginning of your career in the mortgage, whatever role that is, if you're giving it your all and you're doing it on a professional level and you're sending the vibe out there of how serious you take that role and what you're doing. Like, I, I think that paves the path also. So, and it, you know, a big one is not reacting. For sure. Learning how to, to just keep your composure during yeah. difficult times. And I think is, is such an important skill to learn to be present with whatever situation is thrown at you. Yeah. Take a, minute figure yeah. out how you're going to respond to it versus react to it and yeah. that's a big one because your people are watching you oh for sure and they're counting on you to kind of show them the way and if yeah. you are constantly reacting and losing your cool yeah um where do they find trust and respect in that so i think you know we kind yeah. of have to check ourselves sometimes those would be a couple of areas where i think that i've changed and i've um, yeah. Grown from. No, I think that's great. Okay. So we'll wrap this up real quick and just talk about what is your practice today? Because you and I have done something, you know, we talked about your twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. Number one, I would say you never want to stop learning. 
always be open to opportunities, always be open to suggestions. You just never know what is going to come your way. That's a big thing I would encourage people to do. It's helped me. So what we have done in our path that has been a smart decision to get us where we are. So one is being open. I find when I'm at my absolute best, a routine that that really sets the tone for my day. Yeah. Um, and that routine includes, you know, we talk about exercise, yeah. um, but not just physically, mentally. So, you know, it took years for me to get to be a part of the 5 a.m. club. And that, that was a book that I had read. Yes. Um, I want to say it was The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Oh, okay. Um, that I learned that. And so practicing getting up at 5 a.m. every day, I did it for years. Um, it's now 6 a.m. So I'm just going to be real. <laughs> It's okay. You've earned it. <laughs> it's now 6 a.m. But, you know, still that practice of getting up early, having an hour to myself, incorporating the physical along with meditation. Um, and then, of course, you know, I know this sounds cliche, but choosing what I eat yeah, and, and being disciplined with how that shows up for my day. Like when I'm, if I'm planning versus reacting to the day. Yeah. It's just, it really makes me feel like I've created a discipline. And when I have a discipline that I'm practicing, I feel successful at the end of the day. Yeah. I love that. And I think routine is a big one. I've always been very, I would say I'm so predictable. It's ridiculous, but I'm pretty predictable. Anybody who knows me, you can pretty much text me in the morning and you share a podcast with me and I don't hear from you after I've responded. She's either on her Peloton or she's got her (laughs) podcast on that she's listening to. So that is your routine. (laughs) Typically I'm no, cause you're way better at working out early, early than I, but you know, some of my days I'm typically driving to work, but for me, I, this, I started this years ago and I cannot remember the name of the author but she wrote the gratitude journal. So for me, mindset is a big one in no matter what career, no matter who you are, uh, mindset is a big one. But I bought that gratitude journal when it came out. She was interviewed, I think, on Oprah. I mean, this is probably 15 years ago. It was a pink book. Yes, it's the... How do I... Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, you're right. I love that book. Love that book. And it started me down that path of really being intentional on my gratitude and focusing on what you do have, not what you don't have. I mean, that is such a big thing that we... It's so easy to get caught up in especially when you're younger. I think it's different as you get a little bit older, you have so much more appreciation. Um, And I heard this quote the other day, which it kind of, I'm like, oh, okay, this kind of ties into its relationship, but it also ties into work. And it said, loving someone for who they are instead of hating them for who they are not. And that hit me in the workplace as well. So even coaching agents or coaching different people, Loving them and accepting for who they are instead of not liking them for what they are not. And it I know it hit me. I wrote it down. And um, but I think the biggest thing for me to keep my mindset is I have to feed my mind continually. So that's why I'm a podcast junkie. That's why I read a lot. So I sent you that book. (laughs) Now the choice is a new book that I have discovered. Um, but I would say no matter where you are in life, don't get caught up in your head. Reach out, start putting yourself out there and realize the world is still, there's still so many opportunities. And I know a lot of people feel stuck. We've just been through a crazy couple of years with COVID, 
the workplace, just the shift in who's doing what, school. There's so many things coming at you. Just take a minute. Career fuels the soul, whatever you choose to do. It's where you get your accomplishment and what you're doing. There's so much more to it. Your purpose. Your purpose. Yeah. No, besides your family. I mean, all of that. Oh, for sure. But, um, you know, that's without being said. But well, you talked about in your um, episode, The Past That Shapes You, that you have a choice. Yeah. And I think it falls in line with, you know, we have choices and we can choose how we react or respond to what life gives us. Yeah. And so we are saying through everything we've been through and you, we both can say, you know, we gave surface of our past. Yeah. And there's a lot more. There's a lot more stories there, a lot more depth that we didn't cover. But the reality is, you know, our childhood shaped us into the women that we are today. We find that we have our strength, Mm -hmm. our compassion, our drive, our motivation, and our acceptance, all based on our childhood. Instead of looking at it as trauma and victim, we choose to embrace and love how it shaped us into the women we are today. Yeah, I love that. Well, I think that's a good note. And we hope you choose to live your best life. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think someone could benefit, please share. If there's a conversation you think we should be having or a topic that resonated with you, please let us know. You can engage and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pieces of a Woman Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. If you listen to us on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a comment. 